0: now if we could throw up just like the artwork from it uh the series that we're in now actually and i mean no offense by this so i I hope no one's offended but we developed this series in our youth group first um yeah yeah i know i know and uh we were really excited about we were so excited to get to share like who god the father was in just like a very profound and real way, and to share like, you know, who God says he is with uh, everybody. And we got excited about it with our youth team. So we told our um, Sunday morning collaboration team about our series, and they were like, that's really cool. We're gonna do that first. Um, <laughs> and so we're um, ending this week, uh, this, we're ending the God the Father series, and we just started it in youth group. So we didn't think it hurt to like review it in youth group, but I just wanted to say that like, this was us, this was our idea. Um, um, yeah, don't thank me, thank our team. But I just thought you should know that. So, good evening. My name is Nathan, and uh, I'm actually our youth pastor here at Crossroads, uh, which has been a lot of fun um, over the last few years getting to uh, do that. So, this series and this idea of like God the Father and these characteristics of who God is, it actually stems from a moment in a book of the Bible called Exodus. Um, and in this moment, God is sharing uh, who he is uh, with a guy named Moses. Um, Moses was a prophet of God. If you don't know what a prophet is, that's somebody who like, uh, speaks for God. is kind of like a mouthpiece. Um, for him. So, a prophet, uh, God will speak to the prophet, and then the prophet will speak to the people. Sometimes it's about things that are happening, sometimes it's about things that are yet to come. And that's what Moses did for God. And he had actually become kind of a hero to the people of Israel. Uh, the people of Israel, the, the Hebrew people, they had been enslaved for a number of years, and uh, God had decided to use Moses to lead those people out of slavery and Egypt, and he was leading them towards the promised land. Uh, there was some things that happened kind of in the middle, and the the Hebrew people ended up living in the in the wilderness for a, uh, a certain amount of time, about like a generation. Um, they were uh, that they were uh, in the wilderness, and uh, Moses had led the people of Israel through some very very good times, some like some kind of like heroic and storied moments, and he had led them through some very difficult times. And this was after one of those difficult times. Moses had actually gone away to talk to God for a while. And um, while he was away, the Hebrew people were like, shoot, Moses isn't coming back. God's not coming back. We probably need to make a new God. And so they decided to do so. They decided to make a a new God. And when Moses returned, he was angry. God was angry. And there was some punishment uh, that was enacted. But God chose to have compassion on them. God chose to um, stay his wrath. Um, He chose to be faithful to them. And so he describes who he is here in this moment um, after uh, not punishing all of the people. And uh, this is what he says. And so God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and in faithfulness. This is how God chooses to introduce him self. And so over the last few weeks, we've talked about some of these characteristics. You've had speakers talk about how God is compassionate. You've had speakers talk about how he's full of grace. You've had speakers talk about how he's got a long nose, which means he's slow to anger. And you've had a speaker come and share about how he is uh, loyal and steadfast in his love. And tonight, I get to share with you about God's faithfulness. And the word that's used here is actually a Hebrew word, emet. Okay, If we could throw that up there. Um, this is the Hebrew word uh, that is used. It's in italics. Um, I shared on Tuesday how I put it in italics because... That's a foreign word, and I went to college, and I know you're supposed to do that. And so what the word amet translates to is faithfulness, but there's another word that it translates to as well, and that is truth. It translates to uh, truth. So when the author uh, here, who is Moses actually, when Moses uses that word, when he says that God is full of amet, what he is saying is God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy, and that's what I want to share with you about uh, this evening, is that you can trust God. And I know there might be some people here who actually are not sure if they can trust God. Um, They've had moments in their lives that have led them to doubt, or maybe you're here and you've just never yet trusted in God before. In fact, the very first people in the history of the world actually went through this very similar thing of, I don't know if I can trust God. And their names are Adam and Eve. Uh, They were... God made them and put them in a garden, and he gave them some rules and kind of some, some like regulations and stuff and things that they were supposed to do. And there's one just major important rule that they were supposed to follow, and that was that there was a tree in the garden that they were not supposed to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is maybe something that you've heard about before. Maybe you've heard about it in a church service. Maybe you've read it in a, a children's book. Maybe you've read it in an adult book. You've probably heard this before. What ends up happening is uh, the devil comes in the form of a serpent and tempts them. And here's the specific way that he actually tempts them. He tempts them to doubt that God is good. He tempts them to doubt that God is trustworthy, that he is full of amet. He says, well, if God really cared about you. Why would he keep you from this information? God is holding out on you. God does not actually have your best interests in mind. Okay. And God actually challenges them on this as well. If we could throw up that verse from Genesis chapter three, God finds them. He finds them actually uh, naked and hiding from him because of their shame. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? God is like, did you not trust me? Did you choose to put your trust in somebody else? And in that moment, they had believed the lies of their enemy. They had been deceived that God was trustworthy, and they had been tricked into thinking that that was not the case. The serpent had told them that God did not have their best interests in mind, and that God was, he's basically indicated that God was lying to Adam and Eve, but I want you to know tonight and I want to convince you or help you understand or lead you down a road of, of trusting God because he is true and he leads and guides us in all truth. And that's what that word, amet is all about. <clears throat> Somebody else in the Bible that um, actually did choose to put their trust in God was a guy named David. And David wrote about this extensively. And God brought David through all sorts of trials and tribulations where the only reason David even got through them was because he chose to put his trust in God. God, and I urge you to to read his story. That's actually where I'm reading right now in like my my Bible plan, my daily Bible reading as I've been reading about David. It's pretty amazing, but if we could throw up um, uh, Psalm chapter nine, verse 10, David actually talks about this exact thing. Maybe you don't have that one, I'm not sure. Oh, you do, amazing, okay? This is what David writes about God. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, you have never forsaken those who seek you. And if we could throw up Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, he talks about something else, okay? This one's kind of cool to me as a historian, okay? Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. This is written at a time period where if your army had chariots, you had already won. You had won the battle, okay? You had won the war, that's just how it was. Chariots had advanced uh, far beyond uh, anything else that existed at that point. And chariots were the most powerful weapon of war throughout all of ancient Mesopotamia. And David says here, he says, some trust in their chariots and they know that they'll win. If you ever like, are reading the Bible, you'll see that they're always counting the number of chariots that they have. They count the number of soldiers and the number of chariots because chariots were a huge advantage. But David says, I'm not worried about if I have chariots or not. I'm not worried about if I've got horses to pull them, okay? A soldier's a lot more powerful on horseback. He says, I just need to trust in the name of the Lord my God. And then one last verse from Psalm uh, the book of Psalms, okay? In chapter 77, it says this. Once again, I will go over what God has done. I will lay out on the table the ancient wonders. I will ponder all the things that you have accomplished and I will give a long, loving look at your acts. When David looks back at his life, he realizes everything that God has done for him. And when he ponders them, he realizes how good God has been to him. What David is saying in those three verses is he's saying that, my God, okay, you can trust him more than your tools. My God, you can trust him even more than your loved ones. You can trust him more than your career or your finances or anyone or anything that you've thought in your life that you could trust and that has let you down. God will not do so. And the thing about that entire Old Testament, okay, all of those books of the Bible, those first books in the Bible, is that that's actually just one giant story about God's faithfulness, his faithfulness to his chosen people. Okay, it all starts with a guy named Abraham. And God tells him, Actually, you will have a son. I know you're old, but I promise that you're going to have a son. And Abraham does. And it goes on to Abraham's great-grandson, a guy named Joseph, okay? And Joseph finds himself uh, in circumstances they never thought he would have. He finds himself enslaved, and then later on he finds himself imprisoned, and he has to let go of all of his expectations for what his life would have looked like, because it doesn't look like what he expected. Nobody expects to see themselves there, okay, in prison or in slavery. And God says, I'm going to deliver you. You can trust me. And God does. And God does more than Joseph could have ever imagined. It goes on to a guy named Moses, the guy that we were just talking about. And Moses has to put his trust in God as well, multiple times. Time after time, Moses chooses to do so. And in fact, Moses actually writes this after leading the people out of slavery, and they're about to enter the promised land. Moses has seen the promised land, but unfortunately he will not be able to enter. But this is what he says in the book of Deuteronomy. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant. That's just a fancy word for promise. He keeps his promises for a thousand generations, and he lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. While Moses is leading the people uh, in the wilderness, God actually gives them laws as well. All of the civilizations around them did not yet have codified laws. They were lawless people. There was extreme violence and there was a lack of justice in ancient Mesopotamia, in the Fertile Crescent. And so God gives them a law, gives them rules to follow and justice and punishments for when things would happen. Okay, And uh, in those laws, there's all sorts of uh, laws about like medicine and health, Okay, uh, like things to eat, things not to eat. They didn't know why they were following this law, but when scientists and doctors look back, they're like, oh, that's why God said to do that, and that's why God said to do that. One of the best examples of this is God actually uh, wants his young men circumcised. That's a part of the law that he gives to those chosen people. And he tells them to circumcise their boys on the eighth day we now know why God told them to circumcise their boys on the eighth day because if you did it before that, we now know that a young man would bleed out actually because they didn't have a way to stop that bleeding. They didn't have a way to clot that and that's why God told them to wait until then. Now we can do so earlier, okay? But they were not able to at that time because of medicine, okay? So just some amazing things that God told his people, okay? Okay. And so what we see again and again and again throughout the entire Old Testament and into the New Testament and in yours and my life today is that God's track record is one of trustworthiness. God's track record is one of trustworthiness. God has actually already done a lot to earn your trust. Maybe you haven't ever studied it before. Maybe you've never even known, but he's already done a lot. And the biggest thing that he's done is what we're going to talk about on Friday and what we're going to talk about on next Sunday. He sent his son to die for you and to die for me. That's the biggest thing he did to earn my trust. I'm, in, I'm inclined to trust somebody that would willingly die for me. I'm inclined to trust that person especially when they then have the power to rise from the dead, which we're gonna be talking about next Saturday, then I'm really inclined to, to trust that person. And Jesus, who's the one that was sent to die for you and to die for me and to save us from our sins, Jesus really wants your trust as well. He talks about that a little bit in the book of Luke. He says this, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you, then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He says, "I'm a good Father that wants to give you good gifts." So, what I want you to think about tonight, and what I want us to to be thinking about, I guess this week, is. Do you really trust God? Do you truly trust him? And that's so, if you're here and you don't, that's okay. You're still welcomed here, and we're glad that you're here. If you're on that journey of figuring out if that's someone that you'd want to trust, Um, that, that is fine. But here's what I want you to think about if you don't. If you're in here and you're like, I don't know if I trust God yet. I don't know if I trust Jesus. I don't know if I could put my trust in that I want you to think about who you do trust or what you do trust, because I think we all trust something. We've all chosen to put our trust into something, and I want you to think about that place where you put your faith, okay? Has it paid off? Has it paid off? Just ask yourself that. Is it better than God? Okay, is that better than God? Because I believe that we all trust something. And if you don't trust God and, and you're thinking about that, okay, I, want, I would ask that you consider it. Just consider trusting God. Maybe start reading the scriptures. Maybe just try talking to him and see, is this a place that I could envision myself putting my trust? There's a lot of people here who probably have put their trust in God, and they would be willing to talk to you about it. I would be willing to talk to you about it because I think that it is a place that I am very comfortable placing my trust, and I wouldn't ever want to go back. As David said in Psalm chapter nine, those who know your name, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And if you're in here and you're like, I think I do trust God. That is somebody that I, I, I can trust. I've got something for you as well. Is there an area of your life where you don't yet trust him with that? You're like, yeah, I, I trust him with my finances. Or you're like, yeah, I trust him with my kids. But you're like, I, I can't trust him with this area yet. I don't want to give that up yet. And I'd urge you to consider trying to give that to God because I think that he will not let you down. I mean, it's it's an ever-going it's an ever-going process for me. Even, like, myself, like, I'm kind of navigating, like, putting my trust in God because I'm stepping out and doing something new this, uh, this fall and teaching. I'm going to be, like, teaching AP classes. And I was, like, when I found out about that, I was, like, there's no way. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Like, all, right, all of those things started to, like, kind of bubble up. And God was, like, remember what I told you in January. I want you to reach for something new this year. And I was like, oh, yeah, you did tell me that. Okay, okay, like that was what you said. And so I'm going to try it, and I'm going to trust God with it. And I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I know enough. But I know that God is somebody that will not leave my side in that. And I want to give him a chance. So give God a chance this this week. Give God a chance. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, give him a chance and put your trust in him. In 2 Timothy, a guy named Paul writes this to a friend of his. He says, here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he still remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God will be faithful to you even if you find yourself faithless. Even if you're like, I I can't yet trust myself, uh, trust you, okay, God will still be there. He's not going anywhere. We actually, um, something kind of cool is uh, here at Crossroads and um, Suzanne was uh, indicating at it and you've probably heard a lot about it if you've been here before over the last few weeks. We have a chance to take a step in faith Next week, uh, here at Crossroads Ogden, uh, we've um, started calling it Bite-Sized Ogden. I don't know if that's what you're still calling it. I don't know if that means anything to you. But we have the opportunity to change how we're doing church here. And it's going to look different. And um, it might be a little bit scary. It might be a little bit weird. You might not even know if you like it yet or anything. But we're taking a step of faith. And we know that God will be faithful. To us. So we're going to enter into, and my mom's going to introduce, she's going to come up and introduce kind of like a time of prayer to us where we're going to be praying that God is faithful and we're going to be faithful to Him as well. Uh, in this kind of next step so um, we're going to take some time to pray and she's going to talk about what we're praying for but if you need personal prayer as well for trusting God or wanting to take a step um, or if you've got something you want to give up to Him, there will be people around that will pray for that also Nate and I did not plan our outfits it just so happens You guys, we didn't. We did not call each other and say, hey, would you wear your blue denim and I'll wear my white? And, like, this mother-son duo will be outstanding. It just happened. We're just that cool. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) A little little clap for the mother-son. Oh, here comes.